After sex, if you want to be in a relationship, you can get there. Usually women are the gatekeepers of sex and men are the gatekeepers of relationships, right? So if you do decide you want to date this girl, you've lost nothing at all by having sex with her quickly. What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Raw Dating Advice. My name is Patrick James, and today... I've got a really cool guest on. I was just on his show playing with fire last week. Uh, his name is Alex. How do you say your last name, Alex? Villanchek. Villanchek. Cool, cool. Well, Alex, if you guys aren't familiar with playing with fire, um, he has a ton of videos on text messages and he breaks down text message conversations. And, and from, you know, I, I guess from outside looking in, it seems like that's really uh, his secret sauce is like understanding text messaging on on a level that even even I feel like there's not a lot of people out there who who really can analyze a text message conversation in the way that he does and really go in detail on what works and what doesn't what does advanced text game look like what does beginner text game look like and so today hopefully we'll hit on a few of those things but um, I'm also hoping to really talk a lot about game in, in general and you know what it took for you to get to the level that you're at as well and so yeah, man. Thank yeah, you for, for coming sure, on man. today. Let's, uh, let's get into it. So I'm curious. Cause like, you know, like you said on your podcast last week, um, you had just kind of gotten introduced to my content through, uh, I guess a mutual subscriber or something. Uh -huh. And, yeah. um, I'll, I'll be honest, like I, I know of your content, but I haven't looked a lot into you or like, uh, I haven't binge watched all of your videos. Right. So I'm curious, like what got you into improving your game in the first place? Uh, well, it just because I was at such a low point. So, I mean, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 19 years old. I didn't start, you know, I was, you know, very frustrated with my lack of success with women, uh, for, you know, a sizable portion of my life. Um, so yeah, I mean, there was a lot of like, you know, built up frustration, uh, going into it, you know, all my friends were getting late. I was not. And then, um, I read the book, the game when I was 21 and that kind of kicked the whole thing off. And I started getting into it because up until that point, I thought that I was, like, I just thought I was the only one who didn't really get it. And I didn't know that there was like other people who struggle with, you know, talking to women who, uh, you know, who are trying to improve. I remember when I was in like middle school or early high school, I had one buddy who was really good with girls. And one day I mustered up the courage. I was like, yo, dude, you know, I know you're pretty good with girls. What's, uh, what's your secret? He's like, you just say the right thing at the right time. And I was like, uh-huh. And that, that's like basically the, you know, the level of advice that was out there for me. So I was like, okay, right thing at right time. I'll keep that in mind. So once I read the book, uh, once I read the game, it just kind of kicked everything off and I started researching. I started going out practicing. That's awesome, man. So for you, it wasn't necessarily like a specific moment. It was more just like being fed up with not getting results and seeing the people around you getting results. Yeah, exactly. There was no like big breakup or anything like that simply because I didn't even have the game to get a girlfriend in the first place. Um, yeah, it was, it was just like, you know, like I remember uh, going out like freshman year of college and going to parties and every night, like all my, all my roommates and friends were pulling chicks, not all the time, but they were pulling chicks and I was not. I remember this would like frustrate me to death. So every night I would just like fucking chain smoke cigarettes because I was like just trying to like knock out my depression. And it was, it was like a major like sticking point for me. It was just like, why can I not be good with girls? And um, I, I truly believe that, you know, there's like essentials in life from, you know, there's like food, there's water, there's I don't know, safety, shelter. I think that, you know, <laughs> being being able to attract the opposite sex is another one of those essentials almost. 
And if you don't have that, you know, you're missing like a big thing that's in your life. I would I would almost debate that it's arguably the best thing that any man can do for himself in his lifetime. Cause it's like, uh, unless you're like one of those guys who's been getting laid since you were 14 or whatever. But um, I, I mean, just for me, so many indirect benefits of just taking on the journey of like trying to become good with game. It's made me better at business. It's made me more resilient and emotionally in other areas of my life. Um, have you seen some of the same like indirect benefits from you just improving your game with women? Um. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of overlap between game and other aspects of your life. Like, for example, um, okay, well, I recently is kind of like a retarded story, but recently I broke my camera and that's just me being a retard. I dropped it. I was like running around with my dog. And then so I hit up Amazon. They're like, yeah, sorry, you're outside the return window. And like, you know, if, if I didn't know game, I would have been like, oh, fuck, I'm fucked. But like, okay, let me see if I can finagle this situation. And after half an hour of text gaming the Amazon rep, new camera coming to my doorstep. So yeah, I do think that, you know, there's a lot of application. Uh, makes me better at, you know, business, makes me better at socializing with my friends. Uh, yeah, everything. How long has that been since you've been in the game? It just depends on how we look at getting into the game. I would say really yeah. was when I read the book. So that would have been when I was 21. I'm 31 now. So about a decade. Yo, we're the same age. That's crazy. I didn't even realize that. Uh, so for you, like, uh, do you prefer, cause I know you talk a lot about like text game and online dating. Do you prefer, you know, online versus cold approaching, or do you do kind of a hybrid of both? Like, I guess what's your strategy and I guess we can start wherever, you know? Yeah, I do a hybrid of both. I think that's the way to go. Uh, so I, I just personally make more content online, but I still do cold approach, um, quite often. So I like a hybrid of both. I like to, um, you know, generally speaking, this is what I do. I uh, will go out with my friends once or twice a week, usually on the weekends. And, you know, when we're out and about, I'll chat up a bunch of girls. Uh, I'll film infield maybe once a week. So that would be like my uh, day game. Um, and when I'm walking around doing my errands and I see a cute girl, I chat her up. And then I do online. I, ch I check my dating apps maybe like once a day or something like that. Um, I used to, It's better if you can do it more often, but I'm just too busy with business. Sometimes I actually go days without checking my apps, which is definitely not optimal. Um, and that's basically where everything's coming from. Why would you say that's not optimal? Because you want to check your apps, uh, you know, several times a day. If you go like three, four days without checking, then the girl is going to be like, oh, this guy forgot about me. She's going to meet another guy and hook up with him. Mm, so you, I guess what you found, cause I guess when I'm asking about your, the online dating, one of the things that I did is like, I went all in on cold approach. So like for me, it was, it was a thing that I kind of passively did and maybe I'd land a date here and there, but it wasn't like my main strategy, you know? And so for me, I was like hardcore, cold, hardcore, cold approach, like all day, every day, like my whole life revolved around it and has since like, 2014, 2015, because I dropped out of school to become a dating coach, right? And so for me, it was all cold approach. And so, you know, I guess, I guess I, from the outside looking in, I always assumed that if I matched with a girl, there was on some level of attraction there to begin with. And then if we happened to message, I don't know, even a week later, I just assumed that she would window shot my profile the same way she did a week prior. Um, but I guess that is that not what you're saying? Or do you see that there's a definite fall off if time passes? 
Yeah, so uh, that's funny because I, I had a coaching call actually literally just before we jumped on here and my client was uh, was telling me, he's like, dude, I don't understand, you know, this girl's clearly interested because we built attraction and like, why is it that at this point, I'm just trying to get into logistics. Why do I have to still keep gaming her? And I was like, dude, in a perfect world, yeah, it would work that way, but unfortunately it doesn't because women are never at like, uh, and just people in general, they're never at like same level of interest, right? There's a lot of things. Like, for example, let's say that the girl is horny and she wants to get laid this weekend. Well, let's say you're not checking her out. She goes out and she gets laid. Uh, even though she might still be, you know, still find you attractive, now she has this other guy in her life. So her level of interest in you, you know, falls a little bit. Or let's say she goes out and she has a bad experience on the date. She doesn't get laid. So now her, she becomes more skeptical because like, well, what if this guy's like the other guy, right? So, yeah, I mean, there's so many factors that are like outside your control. Uh, it's so like when I used to do sales, you know, like uh, we used to call it like, you know, hotly like, oh, this person's interested. We want to get them to sign the contract today because if we wait a few days, then they cool off and they maybe start reconsidering it and they start shopping around. So, yeah, it's always good to strike while the iron is hot. I totally agree with that. I, I even say the same thing in a, in a different context. Like I tell guys that uh, and I think we talked about this briefly on your podcast too. The number, like getting a phone number, for example, in an in-person conversation should never be the end goal because at that point you're kind of deviating off of the seduction for lack of a better term. And just like in sales, you know, time will always kill the tension, you know? And so that tension is the building block for that, that attraction and, and really driving the interaction forward. And so I guess that that is interesting how that translates over to, you know, game, you know, online dating as well. Um, so I guess, you know, being that you kind of do both, what do you prefer? Uh, and, or do you just prefer both? Maybe there's pros and cons to both that you enjoy. There's definitely both. pros and cons to both. Yeah. Like I really wouldn't be able to, uh, cause I always hear the community guys arguing, oh, cold approach. That's real game. Online is not a real game and vice versa. Rarely, but sometimes, uh, they just both have their pros and cons. So I'll quickly list them. Um, Pro, pro with cold approach is that you're not going to get catfish. You know exactly what the girl looks like. So if she's a 7.5 when you approach her, she's going to be a 7.5 on the date. That's the first thing. Uh, secondly is doing, especially gay game, gives you access to certain girls that you would not be able to get otherwise. Because these are the chicks. I'm talking about the girls who are like, they're very hot, but they're not party girls. They like maybe they, you know, they go to work, they go home, they hang out with their friends, they go to the park whatever, right? You're not going to see them on, on Saturday morning. They're not going to the clubs. Yeah. You're not going to see them at the club. You're not going to see them on Tinder, right? You're not going to really, and their Instagram is going to be set to private. So you're not going to be able to even DM them. Uh, so that can give you access to those girls that you simply wouldn't be able to meet. Otherwise, I think that doing cold approach is actually good for you. As long as you don't overdo it, it keeps you mentally sharp. It keeps you like, okay. So for me personally, let's say I go to Starbucks and I do an approach. If their approach goes well, I'm like, fuck yeah. Yeah. You know, like still got it, still got, it, you know, like, and then it just gets me motivated to do more. If it doesn't go well, I also get motivated. Like, ah, oh, fuck this chick. Like I'm going to go get the next girl. So either way, it just kind of keeps you sharp. So I think that it's good to do in moderation. I'm trying to think what are the pros. Oh, and I think that for me, I've noticed that cold approach numbers are going to be more solid than online numbers. So if I do a good job in the interaction, I get the girl's number. On average, it's going to be more of a solid lead than online. That's not to say that you can't get really solid leads from online, but if we're talking on averages, that's what I've noticed. Um, so those are those are going to be you know the uh, the pros. Um, the cons is that I think that cold approach is largely inefficient. Uh, and I think online is a lot more efficient. So the reason I say that is because when you match with a girl online, 
uh, she has already one, she finds you attractive and you're her type. And two, she's at least somewhat available. When you cold approach a girl, uh, so many factors outside her control. She can have a boyfriend. She could not be in the mood to talk. She could, you might just not be her type. She might be a lesbian. Uh, like so many factors that you know are not accounted for. And which is why you have to run volume because even if you have 11 out of 10 game, you're still going to get rejected more often than not simply due to all the factors that are outside of your control. Uh, so that's, that's, that's the first thing. So I think online is just much more efficient. Uh, you can do online while you're stuck in traffic, while you're taking a shit, while like you're doing whatever, you know? So people have this misconception that online is going to take up a lot of time because on a Friday night, 8 p.m., you sit down and you do your tindering, right? No, like you, you know, I usually do all my online in between sets of the gym or where I'm just trying to kill time. And like, if you think back, like everyone has, you know, some shit in their life where they're just waiting around doing nothing. So instead of surfing on Instagram or like trolling, you could just spend it, you know, swiping and doing online. Um, the second thing is I think online is like, okay, cold approach, you build up the skill, but you still have to go in and do all the, uh, all the work, right? With online, it's kind of like you build it up and then you get to a point where like you get to just enjoy the fruits of your labor. So you get like really good photos and maybe it takes a while to really narrow down six dope photos. But once you get that, right, you can just kind of sit back and just let shit come to you. So it's kind of like you get to, I think you get a better ROI if you do it right with online. Mm, that, that's interesting. I would agree with the majority of what you said there. I, I guess for me, I, it's almost like the same thing, but a different perspective. Um, I, I think of I think the, of them as like yin and yang, like they're different but they both can be necessary for guys. I, I guess what I what I hate to see a guy do is when he first gets into the game, let's say just like you and I, I don't know, nine, 10 years ago, if you start with Tinder, you know, it's going to take a little bit of a learning curve to get the photos, to get the bio right, unless you already have that stuff down. And so I guess in my head, when I think of, uh, of cold approach versus online, I almost equate cold approach to like doing door-to-door -door sales. It sucks. Most people don't generally like doing it. Some people think it's weird, but it makes you super resilient. And kind of like in sales, um, I heard an analogy of like sales versus marketing. Like it's like golf. Like when you hit the ball off the tee, the marketing gets the ball close to the hole. The sales knocks it in the hole, right? And so when I think of online dating, I think of that as like, marketing yourself to this hypothetical marketplace. Um, but the, but the, the downside is if a guy spends five, six months optimate optimizing his profile to where now he's getting matches and now he's maybe trying to figure out how to, how to get, you know, message these girls to get them to want to meet up by the time he gets them to want to meet up. If he's done nothing to actually improve his in-person game, then now he has a whole other learning curve that he wasn't even thinking about. Um, mm -hmm. and, and in that sense, you know, he didn't have the, the, the skills to knock the ball in the hole. Yeah, um, yeah. What do you think about that? Yeah, so, so there's a lot to unpack here. So we'll go one at a time. Yeah. So I definitely agree that a cold approach is like door-to-door -door sales. And if you want to be a good salesperson, you got to start with, you know, the basics, which is door-to-door -door sales, right? I, I did sales for four years. I did door-to-door. -door. Definitely makes you resilient. Definitely makes you a better salesperson. That being said, you don't want that to be your end goal. You don't want to be 10 years from now still knocking on doors all the time. Now, if you, a good salesperson might occasionally go knock on doors, maybe like once a week to keep himself sharp. But at that point, you want to be getting leads from other sources. You want to be getting them from referrals, from your marketing, whatever, right? You want to have some inbound leads coming in. So I think the problem is sometimes guys make the cold approach, the end goal, when it's just really a means to an end. And it's the first step. 
but that's not where you want to be five years from now. So it almost breaks my heart when I see guys who were like 10 years ago, we're going to the clubs every night, grinding it out. And now we're still grinding out the clubs and I can see it. They're fucking miserable. They don't even like the club. They just have this joyless look on their face and they're just going through the motions. I'm like, Oh, Jesus Christ. Uh, I had a friend who was just like that. And like, he'd never listened to me. I was like, dude, like you, how long are you going to be? You're in your forties. Like you're still going to be doing this. Like you're not getting the kind of sex life you want. You're not happy. You don't like clubs. Like what the fuck are you doing with your life? But he's like, no, this is what you're supposed to do. No, it's not. So that's the first thing. Um, so yes, it's good to start with that for every beginner. I would recommend to do a cold approach um, and intermediates. And I think even me, like, you know, I would consider myself advanced, uh, but even five years from now, I'm still going to do some cold approach. I think it's good to keep your skills sharp. I think there's something badass about like being able to go up to like an attractive woman you see during the day and be able to get her number and get her attracted and just naturally start a conversation. So I think even if I was like a celebrity where I had girls coming to me, I would still do a little cold approach. Um, so that's the first thing. Secondly, in terms of the learning curve, so I really hope it's not four or five months because then that person is definitely doing something wrong. Uh, you should be able to knock this out in a few weeks. I mean, really, uh, you know, get the full. And I, I think the problem is a lot of guys are following incorrect advice. So shameless self-plug. Uh, check out some of my free content that I have on, you know, on uh, whatever pictures and all that. And make sure, you know, you're taking, you know, getting the right kind of photos. Well, it really shouldn't take more than a few weeks uh, unless you're like overweight or like, you know, like really skinny, in which case you have to put on muscle or lose weight, which can take a little time. But assuming you're like decently looking in real life, it shouldn't take you that long to get good photos um, in terms of um, the in-person stuff. So one funny thing is that um, I always recommend for a guy who's a virgin that they go through Tinder. The reason I say that is I've helped dozens and dozens of virgins lose their virginity simply because with Tinder, all we have to do, because they're so awkward in real life, like with Tinder, all I have to do is get them decent photos. And then we, we help them with the texting and we help them get a girl who's down to come straight to their place. So all they have to do at this point is just escalate. So there's nothing for them to even fuck up. And then that helps them lose their virginity. Then they kind of get over this complex that they have because, you know, being a virgin can be an issue in of itself. Then they get over that complex and then they start seeing better results in cold approach. Uh, like I would never tell a virgin to go to like a top club and start, you know, gaming girls who have bottle service, right? Because it's just, it's like going to the gym your first time and trying to bench 300 pounds. It's not going to happen, right? So you do have to have the, uh, the challenge level has to be somewhat proportionate to your skill level. And if the challenge level is too high, then, you know, you're just going to be hitting your head against the wall. I would totally agree with that. And um, I guess hearing your thoughts and kind of seeing my thoughts, I would say we align in a lot of ways. And it almost seems to me like if you're starting out, it's almost like you build up the in-person skills with, like you said, the cold approach, but at the same time, getting the online profile going. Cause once you can have both the sales, like the skills you have and the marketing going for you um, now it, it's like, they really, it, it really does make things a lot easier. But um, again, like, I think, again, I guess the moral of the story here is like, they both have their pros and cons. Yeah. And, Let me just quickly really add going. on this. So the, the fusion yeah. is really where the magic is. So when I was trying to immerse myself in game, like six, seven years ago, uh, what, this is what I would do. Like I would, you know, I'd be texting, you know, sending updates. I have a date at nine o'clock. Okay, cool. I'm going to go out and do some cold approach at 730, right? Get some numbers. That gets me feeling more confident about the date. So I'm more likely to close the girl because I close the girl. Then the next day I'm more confident with my cold approach. So there's a lot of overlap if you do it right. Like, you know, you get to a point where you don't really need to do any of that. Like now I can just sit around my, you know, do work all day and still go on a date and still do good. But if you're like a beginner intermediate, there's a lot of advantages in combining them. Yeah.
No, I totally agree. Um, so I guess I'm curious, like who, uh, like, what do you prefer these days? Do you prefer just kind of doing your own thing during the day and then kind of like just personally doing the online dating, um, to, to line up dates or, um, like what's your main thing right now that you, that you're personally doing and focusing on? Well, I'm primarily focused on business. So, you know, everything else takes a back seat. Uh, you know, I'm also in an open relationship. So I have a girl, you know, who I'm you know, happy with. Uh, but that being said, I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, you know, like I mentioned earlier, once or twice a week, like twice a week, I'll go out with my friends. I'll game girls during that, you know, get some phone numbers, uh, set up some dates from that. Uh, once a week, I try to film infield. So, you know, get some numbers from that. And, you know, I check my apps when I can, you know, it's definitely like, I definitely, if I was, if my goal was maximizing the amount of girls I sleep with, that would definitely be checking my apps more often. But uh, yeah, so I kind of just do that. And all of that gives me like kind of enough leads coming in that I'm like pretty content. I'm actually in a relationship myself as well. Uh, ironically, I met my girlfriend doing a uh, cold approach. Um, right now we're not in an open relationship, um, but I, I guess I'm curious because I, I didn't realize that you were in a relationship as well. Um, what are some of your thoughts about, you know, relationships, guys in game who are trying to improve their skills with women, getting into relationships, um, and I guess I'll go first. Cause, uh, you know, you mentioned that you right now, your main priority is business. I totally relate to you on that. Um, and, and I found that getting into a relationship gave me the ability to take the time that I would be out in the clubs and now being more productive in my business as well. But I, I would say it was also like, it was also like a part of the game that is vastly different than, than hitting up girls that are one night stands. Right. But for me, it was almost like a cycle of like, you know, I got the skills, but I wanted something deeper and also the ability to focus on other areas of my life. And so, um, what, I guess, what is some of your opinions on like, you know, relationships, uh, who should be getting into relationships? What are your, what are your, what are your ideas of relationships? Like, I, I guess I'm just curious. So I think with relationships, there's no right or wrong. So I think the problem is a lot of a lot of people, not even guys, but people, they put relationships on a pedestal. So they're like, like the end goal is to get in the relationship. And if you're not in a relationship, if you're just fucking a bunch of chicks, they look down on you almost, right? I've never felt that way. I think it comes down to, uh, you know, right place, right time. So, uh, you know, five years ago, uh, for it, it would not have been, even though I'm the same person, I would not have been the right place to be in a relationship, right? You're like, kind of like, you know, like now I'm more focused on the business also like, but even the, where I'm at now, I'm not in the right place to be in an exclusive relationship, right? I'm in the right place to be an open relationship, which at the end of the day is just like having a booty call where you're really close with. I mean, that's how, that's how me and, you know, this girl started. We were hooking up for like a year and a half and then, you know, just kind of, you know, merged into this. Um, but I do think that if you're, well, open relationships are quite different than closed relationships because I still have all the same freedom that a single guy has. I have no restrictions. I can like really do whatever I want, you know, except for bang her friends, you know, but aside from that, you know, I have all, you know, all the same freedoms a single guy has. Uh, so if you're trying to improve your game, then yeah, you probably want to be either an open relationship or be single. Uh, but if you're like, if you're at a point where like you're happy with your game, you're happy with your success with women and you meet a girl who's cool, then yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong being in a relationship. I, yeah, I just don't think, I don't think one is better than the other. I just think it comes down to what you want and what's best for you at the point of your life that you're in at the moment. Mm. But yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I guess I would say, or I just add on to that as well. Um, for me, I've always, what's the right word here? I always felt sorry for the guys who started approaching women or they, they started getting into 
figuring out how to improve their ability to attract more women in their life. And then one or two months later, they're in a serious relationship. Mm -hmm. And I guess what I, what I notice is like, maybe I, I always felt like guys who did that, they were almost playing not to lose because mm -hmm. the, the rejection they face of staying in the game, mm -hmm. staying like improving their ability to actually get a girl that they're not settling for. I always mm. found that to be tragic. And so for me, before I ever got into a relationship, I was like heavy cold approaching for six, seven years before I even considered it. And it's ironic because like my mentality going into game when I, for me, it was like a specific moment in time where I was like, shit, this sucks. Never again. Um, mm. It was like a hardcore friend zone situation. Uh, uh. And, and for me, like I thought I wanted by like I had a plan. I was like, I want to by 28, have my soulmate. I want to have kids before 30. I want to be in a steady job. And then obviously my life has gone in the exact opposite direction. But like, it was when I realized that, Hey, I can actually get better at this stuff that I actually was like, why the hell would I get into a relationship? I'm 23, 24 years old. I'm in my prime technically as a, well, getting into my prime, not even into my prime yet as a man. So it was like, at that point, once I started to see success for me, relationships was like, are you, are you crazy? And looking back in retrospect, I noticed that maybe there were some like hot ass girls that I hooked up with that probably liked me, but I was just mentally not even mature enough to even be in a relationship like that. Uh, and so I, I agree, like right place, right time for both people. Um, but then eventually, like for me, I, I started to feel a little bit like the guy that you said, 40 years old in the club, still cold approaching, like there was this phrase, I think Tyler, maybe RSD Tyler used to say something like, you know, they don't owe you like the game doesn't owe you stuff uh, or like guys feel entitled to like they deserve something when in reality, you're just another fucking dude in cold approach. And so for me, I started to feel like, why am I starting from scratch every night when I know I can get like do all these amazing things in my life and I already have good game. And so for me, that's where I was like, now I feel like I'm I'm ready to get in a relationship, but mostly because I have the skills to choose a girl rather than settling for the only option I have. And so for me, that was like where I was coming from. So it was interesting to hear kind of your take on that as well. Yeah, one quick thing to touch on when you said, so you, you mentioned you felt like you were starting from scratch every night. So that kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier, one of the disadvantages of cold approach, because it is kind of like that. Versus let's say that um, you spend a year or two developing like the perfect Instagram, you have a dope Instagram, and then you have girls coming to you, right? So you're getting to enjoy the fruits of your labor. So it's not like, yeah, I don't like the idea of starting from scratch either, but again, it's kind of like pros and cons. One, one weird question I actually got like the other day and I just read it today and I was like, there's so many ways I can answer this. Cause I was thinking about making a video about it, but a guy was like, well, what do you say? when a girl asks, what are we? Um, and so I guess since we're on the topic of relationships, like I've never been asked this question in my whole life. <laughs> really? I've never been asked that. Yeah. Sometimes I get like the weirdest fucking like one sentence, super vague questions. Like another dude was like, how do I maintain tension after a first date? I was like, what did you even have tension on the first date? Like there's a lot of different directions I can go with that. Right. But, um, so for you, like, uh, I, why don't we just answer both questions? Fuck it. But like being that you're in an open relationship, you know, what, I guess, how have you always handled your expectations going in and managing her expectations? Like 
how did you set the frame to where this is going to be an open relationship? I'm going to live this type of life. And this is just what I want to do. And if you want to be in my life, this is what it's going to be. Was there a conversation like that? Was there a, what are we conversation? There were um, several, but me, me and this girl, we both, um, the reason it worked out is because we both want something similar. She doesn't want to be an, ex- she never, she never pressured me. She never wants to be an exclusive relationship. We both want the same thing. Um, you know, and, uh, we have a good time together. We were super open. Like our communication is really like, uh, you know, we both like, you know, sat, we sat down several times, um, she actually likes to have this conversation with me once in a blue moon. So, uh, wh- wh- where, where do you see? I'm like, still the same place we were a month ago, still an open relationship. Um, but yeah. Um, so for me, it's never been an issue because all the girls I choose to date are like girls who I have good communication with and who I can be open with. Um, but yeah, I look at the question like that. I would just answer truthfully. I mean, I might like, let's say the girl is just a fuck buddy to me and I can never date her. I might not say that verbatim. I might say, you know, I think we're keeping things casual, but I really enjoy your company. I think we're having a good time. So I might just sugarcoat it a little bit, but yeah, I would answer the question truthfully. You know what I mean? Like, I think because if you don't, then it comes back to bite you. In terms of managing expectations, well, my own expectations are never high, so I don't even really need to manage mine because uh, I'm a fairly pessimistic person with certain things. In terms of managing the girl's expectations, yeah, that's something I could probably be better at because I had a situation recently where um, there's one girl I was hooking up with for a year and I didn't really manage her expectations, which led to her getting disappointed. Uh, I don't want to say heartbroken, but like maybe to a small degree. And I probably should have, you know, you know, three, four months in sat down and told her, Hey, by the way, you know, just so you know, you know, we're not exclusive. I am hooking up with other girls, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it became one of those things where um, even though she secretly knew I was, she kind of wanted to pretend like I wasn't. And uh, I think that possibly led to her getting a little bit disappointed down the line. So, yeah, it's something I could get better at is managing expectations. Uh, but I don't really have a good answer there because it's, <laughs> it's not something I do often. I usually, I'm usually the kind of person that just goes with shit. And if I'm happy with it, I'll just go with it and <laughs> until it like blows up or whatever. Yeah, that's that's funny. Um, I, I would say that's probably how the majority of people probably handle it. I I would be very surprised if there's a dude out there who's just like maybe like Dan Bilzeri and he's like got a system to, for managing like a bunch of different women. Um, uh, but as far as like managing the expectations, I would agree. Sometimes like to a fault, uh, it's almost like. I'm just going with the flow. I'm doing my thing. You're doing your thing. When we meet up, you know, we have a good time and I'm down to continue that. Um, one of my buddies, do you know who Adam Galat is by chance? No, no. Should I? Uh, yeah. I mean, I could definitely intro introduce you guys. He, he used to be a writer for, um, I forget exactly. He was a, uh, professor of like literature at Stanford, I believe. And oh, then yeah. he became a writer for like Hollywood shows. So like in the nineties, he was one of the writers on X-Men, I believe. Um, uh-huh. And then he became a dating coach who would <laughs> write people's profiles for them. That's and one like hell very, of a transition. <laughs> for real. Um, and, and it became like a very, um, like his writing style is very poetic and it's almost so poetic that it, it like compels women to like message him first. And so he like uh-huh. to, to this day lives the type of lifestyle to where he travels the world and girls will reach out to him. And he just like kind of goes through his messages and decides, all right, where, what girls live in this city? And then I'll message them back and then he sets something up. So uh, Adam's a cool dude. One of the things that I got from him, uh, he was one of my earlier mentors, like in game as well. Uh, he, he mentioned, uh, you know, whenever a girl wanted to be like, you know, what are we? Or like, 
take things to the next level, he would set the expectation by uh, almost preemptively saying like, listen, I love hanging out with you. I love what we're doing. And, you know, I definitely enjoy our time together. Um, however, I just know as a personal rule for myself, um, I don't like to jump into something that before I'm ready. And so my own personal rule is I don't like to be a, become official, like exclusive until I've been dating someone for at least six months. And so like, it would be a little spiel of his to where he would for sure get her at least okay with being in an open relationship for at least a six month period before they jumped into something exclusive. Um, and so I, I guess it's, uh, I don't know, just something I no, want to that's, that's, that's a pretty good response. This, this person sounds quite interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, that's, that's, that's a, that's a good way to handle it. I, I suppose. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm just thinking back to my previous relationship. <laughs> this was pretty funny because <laughs> like this girl knew that I was fucking other girls, but she didn't like it. And she was like, so how many girls did you fuck uh, since I saw you last? And I remember one day when I was getting my tattoo, I was like, well, actually, it was a pretty good weekend. I banged three. She's like three, Alex, three in three days. Jesus Christ. And then she like walks out of the tattoo shop. And then like, I remember afterwards we sat out, she's like, Alex, I don't really like you banging that many girls. And it was just, it's just like funny. Like, I'm just thinking like, yeah, like that's the epitome of not setting proper expectations in that situation. So I definitely learned a lot from that relationship. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, yeah, I, I'm a big proponent of honest communication. So I never try to gain my girlfriend. I never try to, you know, do any of that. Um, I, I, I see some people talk about like relationship game. I think that whole concept is retarded. Actually, there's a term for it. It's called, I think, drudge. Have you ever heard of drudge game or something like that? Grudge game, drudge dread. game, dread, dread game, dread game. Dread. Okay. Dread game. Yeah, it's it's the whole concept that. of gaming your wife or gaming your girlfriend. Oh God. And I always um, thought it was like so retarded. I was like, Jesus fucking Christ. Like, just don't get fat, you know, keep pursuing your purpose. Uh, you know, make sure her needs are being met. And that's really the game that you have to do when you're in a relationship. So yeah, I'm, I'm just a big proponent of just communicating, honestly. You know, I definitely feel like I learned a lot once I got into a relationship because, you know, being, so for me, I had never had like a serious girlfriend um, before getting into game. And then when I got in, I was like addicted to being single in a way to where when I finally got into one, it was like a drastic change for me. And my relationship was honestly pretty similar to uh, uh, the situation that you're in now to where I had met her. She was a one night stand for a, for a while. And then six months later, we ended up hitting each other up on social media, hanging out when I moved to a new apartment in, in downtown Phoenix. And then um, it was like literally uh, almost like an open relationship, but more just like a friends with benefits thing for, I don't know, for another eight months or so. And then that's where she wanted to become more exclusive. And that was a, a phase where I was like, okay, I, I'm, you know, I'm ready. I'm not actively going out and gaming a ton of other women right now anyway. So it makes, it makes sense if that's what you want to continue this. Right. And so yeah. for me, I guess it's like, she's already attracted to you. So you don't have to keep gaming her, but for me, it was more about learning oh, sure how to, nor should you. Right. I think that would almost make it at a certain point, you can't be the fuck boy for your whole relationship, right? Well, it's like and gaming so your, your close friends. Like, you know, when you game your friends, no, it'd be kind of weird. Uh, and I know people who do that. Like, they game their fucking friends. And, like, I find that so fucking weird. Uh, yeah. No, you just hang out with the person, right? And have a good time. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I mean, uh, I'm trying, I was going to make, I was going to mention something. 
Uh, yeah, I, every relationship I've ever been in started off as a friends with benefits. I've never been in a relationship that did not start like that. So I think that's a really good way to start. It's like very natural because it allows you to me, it's crazy when people get into relationships without even having sex with a person or people who, you know, wait until marriage to have sex. What if the sex sucks? Like you're just yeah. taking a huge fucking risk. It's like buying a house without ever seeing it. Yeah. Like you, when you buy a house that you've never seen, no, um, you know, so yeah, it's that kind of thing. So I, every relationship I get into, it starts off as a booty call. And then I like to see, okay, is the sex good? Do we have a lot in common? Do we have similar values? Do I trust this girl? Is she smart? Is she funny? Is she, do we have, you know, good non-sexual chemistry? Do I, when I'm hanging out with her, does it feel like a chore or does it feel like actually in addition to my life? Do I like hanging out with her more than like hanging out with my friends, right? So those are the questions that get answered once you keep like, you know, sleeping with a girl and hanging out with her. Yeah. Dude, that's interesting that you mentioned like the non, the non-physical chemistry side. Cause I, I like looking back on it, I realized some of the, some of the best looking women that I had ever been with were the women that I literally could not stand to be around. Like I, I wanted to shoot my brains out if I was around them for more than 20 minutes. Right. Uh, and so it's like, it's interesting to where, you know, going into learning how to become better with women, what you think you want in a girl almost completely changes when you actually know how to get those girls and you realize that you start looking for like your, your standards for what you think is a 10 completely change. Would you agree with that? Well, mm, to some extent, but um, it depends how you define 10. For me, when I use the number scale one through 10, it was always uh, purely looks based. Uh, that's not to say that the other stuff is not important. It is, but so I've always wanted, like for me, in order for me to be a relationship with a girl, she has to be 7.5 plus uh, looks wise. And in addition to that, it's not either or, it has to be both. She also has to be uh, intelligent. She has to have a good sense of humor. She has to be loyal. She has to be trustworthy. Um, I should be able to like, be, I should have no problem. Like, let's say I needed someone to hold on to all my money for me for a day. I should have no problems trusting her if I'm going to date her, right? Um, like stuff like that. So. Um, and we have to have good chemistry. So yeah, so there's like both criteria that need to be met. Um, you know, do I prefer the girl is more attractive? Like I said, 7.5, she's like a nine. Yeah, of course. Uh, but yeah, but it does have to meet a certain threshold. Um, Cause one interesting thing that I was talking about with a few guys with is, I don't know if you have this, but uh, when you first meet, let's say you meet a girl and she starts off as a seven, as you keep banging her, she slowly goes downhill. She becomes a 6.5 and then a six, simply because the novelty wears off. So the girl, you know, doesn't change her looks, but your perception of your sexual interest slightly decreases over time because the novelty wears off. So I personally have this to a good extent. So if a girl starts off as an eight for me, after half a year, she's going to be like a seven. It just is what it is. Yeah. Do you think any, any element of that also comes into just when someone gets comfortable in a situation, they start becoming lazy. They stop doing the things as no, far as no, self-care. No, no. Nah, because all, all the girls I've ever been with were like, go to the gym regularly. Like, I would never date a girl who doesn't take fitness or health seriously. So no, it, it really all has to do with uh, my personal perception and uh, just the novelty wearing off. For me, novelty adds a huge component. That's why like uh, a lot of guys are like, I'd rather, you know, bang a six who I've never met before than a seven who I've been having sex with, right? It's like that novelty is what makes it like the whole thing exciting. I don't know. And that does wear off after time. So there has to be yeah. enough shit for you to fall back on to compensate for the lack of novelty. Dude, that's another thing you said that I also found interesting um, about that whole thing was like, 
the majority of your longer term interactions, whether it's a relationship or something open or friends with benefits have started out physical. Um, and, and I would almost agree with that. And I feel like a lot of people would find that viewpoint kind of controversial, um, especially if they don't have good game, right? Because I, I don't know, I feel like some of the worst relationships are the ones where, like you said, they wait too long to become physical. And it's like, it builds up, it's almost like you put the physicality on a pedestal, like a lot of simps put girls on pedestals, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I personally would never go on more than two or three dates with a girl before sex. And again, I'm not saying there's something wrong with a girl who wants to wait. That's totally her choice. And I'm not saying it's wrong. It's just not my cup of tea. Like I like to, you know, have sex fairly fast. And if the girl's not down with that, then we're not going to be compatible at the end of the day. Uh, I don't really like when a girl um, uses sex as a power play in any way. So like, oh, you're going to have to earn it. Like that shit is a huge turnoff to me. I don't like it when sex is like a power move or a power play. Um, so yeah, so for me, you know, Sex happens fairly fast, first date or second date. Um, like the girl who I'm seeing now is second date, uh, which is okay. Yeah, second, third is fine, but anything more than three is just like too much. Uh, so yeah, so I think that, you know, it's, it's good when to you've get had physical a fast. Because uh, at the end of the day, like, what are you waiting for? Like, it's, it's like, okay, you're going to do it at some point anyway. You might as well just get done sooner and see how well you click. And I find that once you have sex, it kind of allows you to really bond with a person because at that point, you know, her, her guard is down, your guard is down. Like you can be much more uh, connected. Like you got the, uh, what's the term? Uh, what's the uh, oxytocin uh, flowing through mm -hmm. your veins. So you're scientifically proven to be like, you know, more bonded. So I think there's like a lot of like th benefits of having sex with a girl uh, in terms of like, you know, comfort, you're not going to be more comfortable. You've never been more comfortable than after sex. You know, at that point you guys are both naked, like it's all out there. So I think there's a lot of benefits to having sex fairly quickly. So me and uh, my girl were talking about this the other day and, uh, she was telling me that, uh, so if the guy's like a fuck, she's going to be like a fuck buddy, like me, she has sex with him fairly quickly. One or two dates. If the guy she sees as relationship material, she makes the guy wait four or five dates. And that's, I think, something not every girl does, but some girls definitely do. So I think there's a lot of advantages to coming off as more of like a sexual, you know, like whatever, not fuck boy, but like just like a sexual, confident, dominant man. And then if you do want to be in a relationship, because believe me, after sex, if you want to be in a relationship, you can get there, right? It's not like that's not the usually women are the gatekeepers of sex, the men are the gatekeepers of relationships, right? So if you do decide you want to date this girl, you've lost nothing at all by having sex with her quickly. Uh, but I just found that pretty interesting. That's a really, I've never heard that, that dynamic. Women are the relate, the, the gatekeepers of sex. Men are the gatekeepers of mm -hmm. relationships. Yep. Uh, it makes sense. Um, which reminded me of the exact point I was going to make when you mentioned how, like, sometimes a girl will hold sex over a guy as like their way, way to maintain power. Um, I've had girls do that. Even my girlfriend, like at the beginning of a relationship, she would try to do that. But for me, I, I, I'd agree with you. Like, that's like one of my standards is like, I will not tolerate that behavior. No, I, so anytime no. like a, something like that happened, I would immediately nip it in the bud. Cause the, if you even play into it at all, now it's like a part, a tool in her arsenal. Um, so like, uh, would you agree with that? Do you kind of nip things like that in off in the bud right away? And how do you do yeah, that? that, that I'm, I'm, I might give her one. That's a huge turnoff for me. And any girl who's willing to do that is unlikely to be the girl I want to be in a relationship with anyway. Uh, I don't, I don't like that shit at all. And to be fair, not a lot of, not girls don't do it to me often. Very rarely happens. 
but when it does that's like a huge turnoff and like i'm just i'm just not interested in that like uh like because i don't like when some girls act into this whole thing that like sex is something i'm doing for you no sex is something that's gonna be awesome for both of us in fact most women enjoy sex more than men do because they get to come like three four times you know men we get to come once during a session women get to come three four five times whatever depending on the skill of the guy so you know, that's why women are the ones who are moaning super loud. It's not like the guy who's like screaming at the top of his lungs in the porno. Oh, baby. Like, that's usually the trick. So, yeah, I mean, that dynamic, like, yeah, that's a massive turnoff if uh, it goes down that road. Speaking of sex, uh, I saw one of the recent videos that you posted was like setting up your place for, for sex, um, (laughs) which is a a cool video. I think it's very necessary. Um, ironically. So I was telling, um, one of my buddies, who's also a YouTuber, uh, he was like watching our live stream that we did on your channel last week. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, man, Alex, he reminds me a lot of one of my roommates. Um, when, that I had when I lived in Scottsdale and I had super great logistics. Like he also was like super into breaking down his texts and making sure his texts. And I think you guys just think similarly about the game. Uh, and so I guess that's kind of a side tangent. Cause when I lived there, I made a similar video about like, you know, when you, when she comes in, offer her a drink, make sure your bathroom isn't fucking disgusting. One of the interesting things I thought about your video was, um, you have uh, a sex toy and coconut oil sitting out in your bedroom which makes it really natural. Um, and, and to me, the idea of like busting out a sex toy for a girl that's potentially just a one night stand, I never, I guess I never had the balls to do that. Right. And so for you, like, how does, does she ever get like weirded out? Like, did you wash this thing? Like how many girls have you used this on? Does that ever? So so 90% of the, 90% of the time, the sex toy is not even being used. So actually maybe even more than that, it's just there. And I think mm-hmm. it's, it's a good way to escalate, but yeah, a lot of girls will be like, ah, I don't know if I want to use that. I'll be like, okay, whatever. We don't have to. And um, so, yeah, so it's most of the time just to like, you know, get the girl curious and kind of get her mind going down that direction and kind of sets the frame. So I just find that it's like a good way to like kind of sexualize without having to actually sexualize. Dude, I, I loved it. I thought that was super genius. Um, what are like, do you have kind of like a, like, almost like a, a root, not a, for lack of a better term, a routine, but like, you know, like these are like the steps that you're going to kind of just mentally go through when you bring a girl back to your place. And if so, like, what are some of those, what is your process? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, it's very fluid. I think sometimes guys get stuck in too rigid of a uh, structure. One funny story I can share is the, um, uh, I have, I have, the, I have a friend who's a coach. I want to, I don't want to mention his name for obvious reasons, but uh we disagree on some technicalities. You know, he's, he has a good game. I respect him, but we disagree on some uh, components, but anyway, so he's very structured, like very structured. And, um, it, I remember there was a guy in his mastermind group who was like talking about writing out. He's like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't close uh, tonight on a date. And we were like, okay, well, what happened? He wrote out this whole thing. He's like, well, I followed the 20 steps and blah, 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 blah. He's writing about all the things, uh, and that he did, I was like, dude, what about the step where you escalate? He's like, oh shit, I forgot about that. I was like, well, <laughs> like what? It's like going to the gym and you take all your supplements and do everything, but you forget to actually lift weights. You know, it's like the key yeah, thing that you have to do. Uh, so sometimes guys get like too much shit in their head and they get too stuck. End of the day, you know, you're a man, right? She's a woman. If you find her attractive, there's this primal side to you that more or less takes over. Like, you know, caveman didn't have like escalation videos they just kind of like mm, 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 grab the woman and shit um 
So, yeah, so I think that sometimes guys overthink this. I think the reason what guys need more than anything is not so much to have a more instructions, but to actually take away the things in their mind they are holding them back, take away the things that are blocking their subconscious from being able to just take over. Because uh, a lot of guys are like, oh, shit, what if I come off as creepy? What if I freak the girl out? What if I do this? What you know, if she doesn't like me? What if she thinks I'm inexperienced? And that's what holds them back. And if you can just get rid of that, you don't really have to add anything, right? You can add anything and that'll take them better, but you have to like get rid of all the shit first. So that's the first thing. In terms of like the actual routine, again, it's very fluid. Typically, I'll walk the girl in, offer her a drink. I like to do that because, you know, it just makes the girl feel comfortable. Uh, Offer the girl a drink, a uh, one little quirky little line that you could use. I used to do this back in the day. Uh, some people get a kick out of this is I would tell the girl, I would, I would be like, what are you doing? Wearing shoes, shoes off. So it sets the frame of compliance. Again, it's kind of game. It's not necessary. Uh, my roommate still does that, but I, I don't really bother with any of that anymore. Uh, pour her a drink, pour, uh, put on some music. I always ask, what's your favorite, what's your favorite music? Because especially if the girl is a little tight and not comfortable, when she hears her favorite song, she associates music with good emotions and comfortable. So she's going to instantly become more comfortable. I usually then take them on my balcony. Uh, I'll typically like kind of stand behind them like this. So kind of like rubbing my body against hers without actually like making a move. And I'll just stand there and carry a conversation. And so she can like feel the outline of my cock like against her ass. But like, again, I'm not addressing it. I'm just talking. And that builds a lot of sexual tension. I'll do that for like 10 minutes. And then um, I typically I will like brush past her hair a little bit. I'll play around with it. Maybe I'll massage her a tiny amount here and there. And then maybe I'll start kissing down her neck and then I'll get her really horny. And then I turn her around and start making out with her. At that point, she's like usually super turned on. Um, and then from there, just, you know, move things back inside and then take her on my bed and start smashing. I think this is a interesting and under talked about topic in dating because um, I know I've had a few clients as well, uh, even a, few, a couple of virgins to where like the, they we talk so much about like the buildup to the sex to where they don't realize that you know once you get a girl back at your place it's not like it's game over it's almost like you can easily mess it up at your yeah, place. Just like you could before you got to your place. And so uh, I guess that's why I kind of asked, uh, you know, kind of the routine and, you know, that's, that's it. I mean, I think that all sounds great and it definitely sounds like it, a little bit of a system, you know, you bring her in, you pour a drink, yeah. you put on the music, you take her out to the balcony. Um, for me, I, I did something similar. Uh, I realized very quickly that um, if I don't make myself comfortable, she's not going to be comfortable. So what I would do is I didn't do the, the shoe thing, but I think that is good to really set the tone. I, I heard a similar thing. My, actually my roommate who I was telling you about used to do this. Um, he would approach a girl and if it was on the sidewalk or grocery store aisle, wherever it was, he would almost set the, the compliance right away by like, hold on, let's get out. Ever everybody's waiting. He like just takes one step to the side, even if it wasn't necessary. And mm -hmm. so it was like similar, like take off your shoes. Right. Mm -hmm. For me, um, when I would bring a girl back to my place, definitely music, I would always offer a drink, even if they didn't want to drink water, bare minimum. Right. And then I would make myself comfortable, sit down on the couch. Um, for me, I didn't really have like a fancy balcony overlooking Miami. So, uh, like I would, I was kind of just, what's up? Peasant. Peasant. Yeah. I mean, I'm screwed without that. Right. You know, yeah. you, you're so lucky. You got all these advantages. You live in Miami. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, it was more about like really keeping in mind, like, like kind of similar to what you would do. You would slowly ramp up the tension through 
escalation and making your escalation just more and more throughout the night. For me, I would always keep in mind that old school rule, the two steps forward, one step back. Like I would be pushing it forward towards sex in my bedroom, but I wouldn't go all at once. It would be, you know, pour a drink, sit down on the couch, two steps forward. Right. But I wouldn't pour a drink, sit down on the couch and instantly go out for the, go for the makeout. If, unless she was getting vibes that she really wanted to, then we talk sexually like, and then escalate on the arm. Maybe then, like you said, brush your hair behind her ear or something that's two steps forward, but then I wouldn't grab her by the pussy as Donald Trump would say. Right. So it's kind of just slowly moving one step forward at a time and then taking it away with that two steps forward, one step back. Um, so yeah, man, I think, I think very similar. And I definitely agree with all that stuff. Um, there was one quickly add this. So with two steps forward, one step back, I do that all the time. I typically do that when there's like LMR. So if there's no LMR, I just, I like the, uh, you know, straight line method. We're just moving things progressively forward in a very smooth, progressive way. Uh, but I'll only take a step back if it's necessary. Like if she gives me pushback, then I will take a step back and then try to take two steps forward and then another step back. Um, but yeah, I just quickly wanted to throw that in there. Have you ever had like super intense LMR to, and then somehow it ended up happening? Like yeah. mm-hmm. you have yeah. <laughs> what, what, what were some of the things that do, can you give us an example of that? Cause I, I definitely have a story of mine that I was like, dang, I don't know how I pulled that one off, <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, I'm always weary of talking. This is like literally the only topic I'm weary of talking about because it can, okay. someone who's like, who's trying to misinterpret it could come off as like you know whatever inappropriate i mean i'll I'll try i'll try to say it in like a there was this one time okay one time that stands out was when i was in poland i remember it took me five hours to close it was from the start and this chick invited me straight to her place she gave me that famous polish lmr it took me five hours it was insane i had to just like that is that a thing polish girls there are they do give a little bit more lmr than the average girl I had to bust out like every trick in the book, uh, like everything. Like I and like I, I just I'm trying to remember because it was like three years ago. But it was like I danced with her, I kissed her, I massaged her. I did this, two steps forward, one step back. Logically dealt with her concerns. So, for example, if two steps one, uh, two steps forward, one step back doesn't work, the next step would be to logically address her concerns. Like, hey, you seem a little hesitant. What's up? I try to address it. Uh, well, you know, I just don't want to be see- perceived as a slut. Okay, well, don't worry. I will blah, blah, blah. So you address her concerns. That's also a powerful technique. That didn't work either. Uh, I'm trying to think, what was it that did the trick for me? In the- oh, you know what did the trick for me in the end? It was the last thing I tried was denying her validation. And that's what did the trick. Uh, so um, I laid next to her and I just didn't escalate at all. And then when she would try to escalate on me, I would basically pull at her and just like turn away and stuff like that. And that's what got pushed her over the edge. And at that point we, we uh, smashed. Dude, that's, that's a good, that's a good story. Um, I, th- what, what's ironic when you talked about the, the Polish part is the story I was thinking of when I asked you that ironically was a Polish girl who I met at oh, yeah. Battle Blonde in Scottsdale. And I was like, Oh, okay. Maybe there is something to that stereotype. Oh, Shalomar. Uh, yeah, dude, I didn't even realize I, I I'd never heard that stereotype until just now. But man, like typically certain like Eastern European, like typically the least. And yeah, we're talking about averages here, but on average, you'll get the least LMR in like Scandinavian countries, like Finland, uh, you know, whatever, fucking Denmark, uh, Sweden. Like they're they're very sexually liberated, so there's not going to be any LMR. The more sexually depressed countries, like Eastern Europe. Um, Southeast Asia, Asia, 
uh, you know, like Philippines, whatever, like there you're going to get like more LMR on average. That makes sense. Um, yeah, which is ironic because we got a question on your channel about like, man, those South American girls, they're like really tough. Do you find the same thing? And, I, and you and I both were like, I, I think it's the exact opposite in a way. I think I think that if your game is bad, then every girl is tough. And if your game is good, then no girl is really that tough. But on average, I find there's just certain cultural adaptations you have to make when you go to South America. And I actually have a full article on this. Um, but uh, one big one that I'll share is I've noticed um, in South America or Central America, whatever, you know, Latin America, let's just call it. Uh, you don't really want to sexualize too heavily over text. So you want to give the girl always plausible deniability. So the analogy I make is if her friend was to take her phone, would it be super obvious that she was going to fuck you or would she have plausible deniability? And you want to always in Latin America, give the girl plausible deniability because her anti-slug defense will kick in if you don't uh, quite often. So I learned that lesson. Uh, always plausible. So I will never be explicit. I'll be implicit. I'll be like, yeah, we're just going to split a ball of wine in my romantic balcony. And that's really, you have to be a little bit more like low key under the radar uh, in Latin America, I find. Yeah. And it's like almost to create the vibe of like, oh, we just went back to his place and one thing yeah. led to another and it just kind of happened. Um, yeah. No, I, I totally like that. I think in general, that's just a good strategy for any girl. Cause like, it's not like giving a girl plausible deniability will ever not work for you unless you just in, suck um, at it. Right? In America and like Scandinavia, there's some advantages to uh, sexualizing, getting her heavily sexually invested. Uh, I think there's some pros to that. Uh, yeah. But Can you that's give an example other. of what you mean? Sure. So in like, you know, where I live in Miami, there's some advantages to sexing with a girl and getting her like really hooked and like really excited about the idea of fucking her. It's going to make her, for example, she's texting 50 other guys, right? And she's deciding who she's going to sleep with. But one of these guys was able to really sexually hook her. She's going to pick that one guy. Uh, she's going to be maybe less flaky. Uh, you know, you might normally, she might never go straight to a guy's house, but with you, she might go straight to your place. So I do think that time and place for everything well, I think that's a strategy that's not really good for Latin America. Got it. So like in that example, for example, um, in that example, for example, <laughs> uh, when you, uh, so like if you're, if you're texting a girl, girl who's pretty high value, likely has 50 dudes texting her and you're sexualizing the conversation, but it's like pretty direct. How do you balance um, being a guy who's like, oh, you're so hot. I want to fuck you. Like any guy would say versus doing it in a way that makes her excited to potentially see you versus all the other dudes that she could see. Yeah. So you would never ever want to say, Oh, you're so hot. I want to fuck you. That would be like really bad game. Yeah. Um, but if you do choose to, you know, sexualize the conversation, you want to basically get her sexually hooked. Uh, so you would do that, you know, have a video that called how to sex, which goes into more detail on this, but the basic premise is that you would want to be very smooth and progressive, right? So you would just slowly increase 5% every time. Uh, you know, you bring up a sexual topic, and you go more, you want to figure out what her fantasies and her turn-ons are, uh, and then you kind of hammer on that. So let's say her big fantasy is being dominated, right? Then you want to really come off. And again, you want to more like uh, show it in your actions, even though it's, I guess, word text, show it in your text rather than say. So instead of saying, oh, don't worry, I'm very dominant, it's better to show with your writing style that you're dominant. Um, if, for example, her fantasy is that she wants to, uh, I don't know, like, let's say, do some role play, right? Like, you want to show that you can actually get into it. Uh, so I think that's kind of the general approach. I, I guess uh, talking about sexualizing conversations, I think 
you know, at least for me, the important concept here for any guy listening to this is, you know, making, making sure that if you and her were magically teleported to a room with a bedroom or like with a bed in it, that it would make sense for you guys to lay down on the bed and start making out. Cause if that's not like an implicit thing between you and her, then there's not enough man to woman intent in the conversation. And so sexualizing the conversation is obviously a great way to do that. Um, you know, what are some of the biggest ways that you see guys not like struggling to make their conversations man to woman? Like what are some ways that guys can practically take to, to convey that intent in a way that will actually get her excited to see you want to have sex with you want to, you know, become attracted to you, things like that. So are we talking about, cause uh, are we talking about the number, the biggest ways guys str uh, struggle to sexualize or just in general struggle to keep the conversation man to woman? Cause those will be two different answers. Um, I, I guess I was going more on the general man to woman, okay, yeah. uh, being that sexualizing it is one of the ways to do that, you know? Right, right, right. Uh, so uh, one big one is that they're just too, there's too much fluff. They're too wordy. They're like, hey, so what are you doing on this fine evening? Uh, I hope you're having a good night. Like versus how's your evening going? Right. So they're too verbose. Uh, they use too many emojis and their texting is just too feminine. So a lot of guys can really benefit from just keep being more short and succinct, just more straight to the point. Uh, and I think not a lot of guys are doing that. Uh, they're adding way too much fluff to their texting because they think that's going to get, you know, it's going to, you know, they're also afraid to tease to kind of like, you know, have fun with the interaction. Uh, they're like very like, you know, overly accommodating and just whatever, right? Like I like to like, I'll, um, I'll just quickly read off an example that I think is pretty appropriate for the situation. So this is a chick who I'm talking to from Bumble and this conversation has not been sexualized at all yet. So this is purely like, you know, just purely normal conversation. And uh, so she says, um, uh, she says, what are you up to? What are you doing today? I say, just chilling in the design district with a few friends. And you she says at Kiki on the river with friends. So then I say, you're getting kinky in the river. Like I purposely misinterpret what she says. Mm. And then literally her response is, how about we, oh, you can't see, how about we meet up later? Right. So like that, Dang. like, you know, it, so again, like just have fun with it. Like kind of don't be afraid to tease the girl to play with it uh, and just be more short and succinct. I think a lot of guys, again, just way too wordy, way too worried about losing the girl. Um, yeah. I think that's a common mistake. Another that's issue I will, I will quickly point out is a lot of guys are overly gamey. So they're so worried about being boring they go too far in the other direction and they become overly gamey. So that's another issue in of itself. At what point do you feel like it becomes overly gamey? And, and I guess um, when you say overly gamey, do you also mean in person or are you talking specifically on text? It can be both, but it's much more common over text. Um, but it can be both for sure. I've seen, I've seen it in both uh, situations. Um, everyone. So let's say this is a spectrum. Like here we have, being super boring. Hey, hey, what's up? Hey, how are you? Hey, how's your day? Here we have overly gamey. You're going to want to be somewhere here, a little bit more here. But mm. whether you're going to be here or here is going to depend on your personality and on your style. For example, my business partner, my roommate, he's a bit more gamey than me, but that's just his style. That's like his sense of humor, right? So there's no right answer, but you don't want to be over here, right? Like, so it's kind of hard to put into words, but it's like something you can definitely see. But being overly gamey is like the number one way to fuck yourself over because girls, I see this all the time in my, you know, my forums, my mastermind group, uh, girls will just troll guys who are overly gamey. They won't respect them. They will flake on them. Like they just see you as like this 
character. So they feel emboldened to like treat you like crap. So definitely don't want to be over gaming. It's much better to be overly boring than overly gaming. That's interesting. You said you, you would rather have a guy being more boring than overly gaming. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I would almost, um, for the sake of debate, I, I would almost say I, I, in a way, disagree with it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I can see where you're coming from as well. Just because uh, I would, I see so many guys who suck at game, who have no game, and are too afraid to disqualify or tease to where I would like to get them the experience of going over the top with it to where they're okay sure. being a having the right balance and then dialing it back from there. And I guess, again, it's personal preference because for me, that was kind of like my entire progression. Anytime that I had to learn a new thing or implement a new thing in my own game, it almost always came with going all out with it and then learning how to dial it back and find the sweet spot. So like body language, for example, when I learned when in doubt, lean out, have your hands on something. I was motherfucker. I had my foot on this chair. I had my arm on this stool and I was overdoing it, but then I had to dial it back from there. Same with Yeah. I definitely agree that the best way to learn something or one of good ways is to go over the top i do that you know i've done that in the past as well uh i guess i was just talking about more in terms of general game but yeah if, if it's a learning experience like if guys are having a really t- hard time going sexual i tell them to go over the top and be too sexual uh and they lose a lot of leads but then they get the knack of it and they're like oh you know the world didn't end when i sexualized the conversation so i definitely agree that it's good to uh go over the top if you're trying to pick up a skill and then you kind of reach a nice middle ground yeah. I tell I guys, say like, guys who overdo it on their emojis, I tell them, you are not allowed to use a single emoji for a month. And they're like, what the fuck? I'll be like, yeah. And then once you get there, you can use a few emojis strategically. Mm. What, what's your favorite emoji? <laughs> uh, I would say probably the grin emoji or the devil emoji. Okay. The devil's the devil frown or the devil smile? Like it is devil smile. Yeah, okay. the devil's smirk. Okay. I, I like that. Um, one of the things that is interesting, because it's also the flip side to what I just said to you in response was, I would almost agree that my game got way better when I became less gamey. So like for me at the beginning, when I was more just starting out, I had to go over the top and then dial it back. So going over the top got me a better result than being super boring and then dialing it back, learning to find the sweet spot gave me even better results. But then I found that my game also got capped um, at a certain level to where um, I got so used to teasing, disqualifying, playfully misinterpreting that, that in a way it was almost, I, I, I guess I assumed it was too intimidating for some girls. Like if they were already on some level attracted to me and then I kept disqualifying them. Now I'm just kind of a dickhead, um, to where for me, it like, for me to get even better, I had to use a lot of like the, the things that I learned in game as far as like the inner game, but then almost in a way turn off the gaminess um, to where now I could actually be like a more for lack of a better term a natural with it to where I'm not really trying for anything. I'm not trying to tease or disqualify, but I'm really just being a cool dude who doesn't necessarily need the outcome. And so I think it's almost like depending on where you are at with this whole journey, wouldn't you, would you agree or disagree with that? Um, I've seen a lot of examples of guys getting fucked over by learning to become overly gaming because they think that's what game is. Uh, in my opinion, a good game should not actually look like game. It should just look like a confident guy talking to a girl who's really into him. It shouldn't look like you're trying to game the girl. Um, so yeah, I see this all the time with like, you know, XRSD guys. They're doing like all this weird shit and they're just getting no results. Like uh, I think RSD did people a big disservice by teaching them a lot of like weird gaming shit 
Uh, like let's take, for example, uh, the claw, right? Uh, now, if you're a confident, charismatic guy and you do it in the right setting, it can work somewhat decently. I wouldn't say it's like the optimal opener. I'd still probably rather on the dance floor and maybe it's pretty solid. But I still think a better opener is like making eye contact and be like, hi, Alex. Mm. And like, you know, just like staring at the girl. Nice. But uh, the claw can be fine if it's done in the right, by the right guy in the right setting. Done by the wrong guy, a guy who's already awkward and fidgety uh, outside of a club, it can come off as really fucking weird and completely creep the girl out. Like, whoa, why is this guy randomly fucking grabbing me? And he's like all twitchy and shit. Uh, so, yeah, I just uh, think there's some gamey things like the whole doing uh, like whatever, doing push-ups in the middle of the street thing. Okay, I understand the logic behind it. It gets you not caring what people think, but... Yeah. It kind of puts you in that frame. A lot of the like a lot of the guys in the pick community, the main issue or one of their issues is they come off really weird. So if you keep doing more weird shit, that's gonna add to this image you have of yourself as a weirdo. So yeah, I think quite often the solution is actually to stop doing a lot of the weird shit and just mm. uh, you know, stop doing some of the weird shit and the stuff you can't just embrace. Yeah. So what is the claw exactly? Is that where you go and just put your arm around a girl or what? The claw is basically it's like where you just your openers, you grab the girl and you pull her in. Oh, I could see a lot of do guys doing that in a really weird, uncalibrated way and like getting a bad result. Um, funny story, uh, you know, being that the excess uh, is in Las Vegas. When I was in excess uh, a few years ago, um, I was there with a couple of girls that I knew and they weren't girls I was hooking up with. I just go out to clubs with them sometimes. And we went there and I remember the girls didn't get let in and I got let in by the door guy for some reason, which is really <laughs> ironic. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, what, what, what was he trying to bang you or something? I think what happened was um, the excess is really weird with their door guys. Or at least they were at the time to where like, if you're not in this group, and this group, like they asked the person at the front of the line or in the group, how many people are in your group? Four. All right, great. Only four people are going to get in. And so I was talking to the girls in the group ahead of us in line to where they, the girls said that I was part of their group. And then it added a whole bunch of confusion when the girls that I actually came with said, no, I'm in their group. And then the door guy just let me go with the first group and didn't let the other girls in altogether, which is I don't know. It was weird. Uh, but um, moral of the story is I had to go in there and like, I'm still going to have a good time. So I started just approaching random women. And I remember I approached this bachelorette party and the bachelorette ironically was like trying to make out with me and stuff. Um, and, but she wasn't my type. Cause I I'm just personally not into Asian girls. Cause I'm half Asian. And um, I don't know, like, I just imagine my mom every time I talk to a girl who's like full on fresh off the boat Asian. And so uh, I'm generally with, not into Asian girls either, but I like the big titty Japanese girls. Oh, really? Yeah. I guess I've never uh, had the experience of talking. Like, I, like I, I've made out with an Asian girl just to say I could from Cold Approach. But other than that, like, I completely get turned off by Asian girls. Like, it's just an inherent thing for me. Um, anyways, so I go in and this other guy walks up, he goes, Oh, like, do you like, are you into like cold approach too? I said, yeah. And so we kind of became like instant wingmen together. And he was like, dude, like, uh, I remember like he saw me pick up a girl. Like I would say this is a pretty advanced escalation move where I bend down and like pick her up and like, oh. she's laughing and giggling. And then I set her down. He goes, Oh man, you do that thing. And I guess it's similar to what you were saying with the claw. I was like, I mean, I guess I do that thing. He goes, I tried that once. And cause I was told that that's a good thing to do. And the girl like punched me. 
I was like, oh, well, shit, shit, dude, like, well, maybe you shouldn't just go literally picking up random chicks like that, like making sure there's an actual vibe before you do that. Um, I guess the only reason I told that story is because, you know, I, I guess I could relate in a sense to the claw being similar to that escalation move. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of, cause I used to live in LA for like five years. So that's where like, you know, basically most of the RSD, whatever people are. And uh, yeah, every area, like I was just seeing a lot of guys get fucked over by following like dumb strategies like that. One quick tip I can share with your audience, since we're talking about Vegas clubs, this actually works really well. I discovered this by accident. But so let's say you're trying to get into like a club that's pretty you know, hard to get into or has a cover. Google who the SEO or the president, the vice president of that club is. Uh, again, because usually all these clubs, it's not like the president is there. It's like owned by a group. And so Google whoever the president is and then go up to the bouncer and say, hey, I'm a, I'm a family friend of uh, blah, 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 like John, whatever. Uh, they're, they're not going to fucking call. They don't even know the chairman. They're not going to call him out of the blue. But if you say that, the most more often than not, they're going to be like, oh, OK, yeah, just go upstairs and you can come in. So I've done that at um, I discovered this when I was going to I believe it was Marquee because uh, I actually a friend of a friend was actually the chairman of the of the club right and i remember i used to I, I went there with a bunch of people it was actually a bunch of dudes and you know they're charging like cover for chicks even and i was like hey yeah i'm a family friend of blah 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 richie blah and they're like really you, you know i'm like yeah 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 we know each other he's like they're like are you shitting me i'm like no not at all like you want me to call them? they're like no no not necessary and they're like me and all my friends in and i was like wait a second i can just do that with any club like well, this information I got, it could just be found on Google. So that's a nice little tip. That's that's actually crazy. And I've seen it done once. I've never had the balls to do that myself. Um, I guess I just always just go early enough or somehow get in anyways. But um, the one experience I have with something similar to that, ironically, was the one time I was in Miami. We, we went to Story, um, which is, is that still a club in Miami? Story? Yeah, yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was like one of my first boot camps. So this is like 2015, 2016. And I had five or six guys on boot camp with me, and which is already like it felt like I was hurting cattle all night, and especially mm-hmm. in a big ass nightclub like that. Well, anyways, I buy like a GA ticket online to get into story, and I just assume we show up and they'll let us in. But then the guy sees that I'm with six dudes, he's like, Hell no, you're not getting in. Mm-hmm. And my buddy who um, I wouldn't say he has the best game, but he's like really big into like social things like that. He literally just name drops the owner of story and the the door guy like does a double take and he like gives him a weird look. And then my buddy, his name is Z, he goes, oh yeah, he's like on vacation in XYZ place. And I think he literally just looked it up on this dude's Twitter and the guy was like, all right. And then he just lets in like seven dudes at once just because he name dropped the fucking owner of the club. So that's interesting yeah. that that's like an actual thing. Have you ever tried oh, that in Miami as well? I don't go to clubs, man. I don't, I haven't, that's, this was like five years ago when I used to actually like occasionally go to clubs. So, uh, no, but like, yeah, I've, I've done variations of that back when I used to go clubbing and it definitely works. Uh, not all the time, but it works quite often. Mm. Uh, because if you look at it from the doorman's perspective, uh, he would rather just let you in than take the risk that if you, even if you are telling the truth that you, you say to the owner, Hey, this bouncer didn't let me in. Okay. He could lose his job for that. So he's, he's better off letting you in, even if you don't know the person than risking it and, you know, losing his job. Because then I might say, yeah, this guy gave me a hard time and then bam, he loses his job. So if you're looking at it from that perspective, it makes sense. Mm. Why, why is it that you don't like clubs? Is it just like personally, you don't like the environment or what? I hate loud music. Um, 
my voice gives out pretty easily. So if I'm at a club, I will lose my voice pretty fast. Uh, you get headaches from loud music. Uh, you can't really talk well. Um, I don't really drink much, so that kind of takes away. I don't really roll anymore, so that takes away the ecstasy component. Yeah, I just much prefer like chill, uh, chill like you know bars or whatever, like lounges. Drinking kava, shooting the shit. Um, yeah, bro. Every every uh, every every time I go out, I bring a bottle of kava with me, so everyone's drinking alcohol. I'm drinking kava. Dude, I love it. Um, I guess the reason why I asked is because uh, I used to feel the same way until I got into to cold approach. And for me, it became more of like, um, uh, of a volume thing. Like I realized that I could get a lot of volume in a short period of time compared to just, for example, going to a mall or a grocery store. Um, but well, I would what, also what about, agree like, can't you do that at a, like for me, the ideal situation, ideal, uh, venue is like a really big outdoors bar that has like a bunch of lounge where there's 300, 400 people, but it's not loud. So you can talk, uh, you can have a conversation and then you still have a shitload of volume. So those are the places I generally tend to go to. My like in Miami, what? Oh, my girl just opened the door. So I, that's why uh, I'm looking back. Does uh, she ever do what? videos with you or? Um, so she's actually the girl that was in the picture that uh, is on the thumbnail that you use for uh, our- Okay, okay, okay. God. Yeah. Um, that one was actually, we took that picture last summer and we were like, it was controversial because we weren't wearing face masks and we were at this like bar, but in Arizona, it's like, um, pretty relaxed with the whole COVID restrictions yeah, anyways. Same, same with Miami. Yeah. No one gives a shit. Yeah. I would say, I, I agree with that. Like my ideal, like there was a couple of spots in, in, uh, Scottsdale, for example, like it's a super clubby vibe. Um, and a lot of those places, it's impossible to have a conversation with someone. So you have to be like in the mood to dance. Um, one of my favorite places, which got closed during COVID, it was called Dakota. And I liked it because they had the dance stuff. And I personally like just partying and, and turning up. And so like, I naturally went to that vibe anyways. But um, as far as like being able to talk to girls and then actually get them to know, like, and trust me. So they're comfortable with coming home with me. Dakota was perfect because it had a little bit of both. It had like an outdoor lounge area, but it also like inside was the loud clubby vibe. Um, are there places like that during the day? Um, or like not even necessarily during the day, but like, is there a place nearby where, you know, fits the yeah, criteria? Yeah, there's, there's a place in Miami called the wharf. It's perfect. There's a place called uh, Riverside. Yeah. Both really like big outdoor venues, uh, where, you know, it's not super loud. Uh, and they actually have two components. They have like the, the, the inside area, which is loud. And I just stay in the outside area where like, you know, you can chill and talk. Mm, and it's any place I go to has to be a place where I can bring my dog. So they also have a nice outside area. So I can bring my dog with me. You know, he can piss on trees and shit. I can game girls. Do you feel like the, the, having a dog helps you, uh, as far as the game goes? Definitely helps. For me personally, when I got a dog, uh, it was easy to get plausible deniability like, oh, yeah, you can come back and meet my dog, but you can't stay too late. Uh, and then I learned very quickly that don't escalate too much in front of the dog because uh, I don't know about you, but my dog always like would jump in between us if we started making. <laughs> no, my dog doesn't do that. My dog just creepily watches. He just sits there and watches. <laughs> no, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't do that. That's awesome. Well, I guess, you know, we've been going for a while here, but you know, I last couple questions for you, man. What books are you reading these days? Uh, man, it's actually pretty sad because I used to read a lot and like now I've just been like literally re reading, like <laughs> I've been re listening to uh, vampire uh, <laughs> erotica, whatever fiction. So I've been reading the, um, 
Anita Blake Vampire Hunter series. Uh, but that's purely just like when I'm going to sleep, take my mind off and uh, de-stress. It's not like I'm sitting there during the day. Uh, so yeah, I've been doing that. But in terms of books, I would recommend uh, Total Recall by Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's a great book that I read. I like uh, The Winner Effect by Ian Robertson. That's a great book. Uh, it really talks about the psychology of winning and how it changes your brain. Um, I like uh, Atomic Habits. I think it's by James Clear. So there's definitely a lot of good ones out there. I'm just not <laughs> reading any currently at the moment. Do you have any recommendations? Um, the Winner Effect is ironic because I actually just started reading this book today. Have you read this one? Winning. Tim S. I know Grover. I know he's, uh, I've heard of him, but I've never heard of this book. Yeah, he wrote Relentless, um, and he was like the Bro. personal trainer, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant. Um, the Winner Effect. Is this book, is this book better than the Relentless? I haven't read that either. It's it's interesting, man. I'm literally 10 pages in, uh, and he literally talks about like just um, the concept of winning, and he talks about it as if it's like, you know, we could exchange winning for game. So he says, I wrote down the quote, like, winning doesn't apologize and it doesn't explain. Game doesn't apologize and it doesn't explain. Uh, winning is the ultimate gamble on yourself. You know, winning drives you forward winning. And so it's like, it was really ironic because when I think about winning as like an entity that is objective and doesn't care about you, it only cares about who's going to step up and do what's necessary to fucking win. Um, so I liked it from that, that standpoint, that's just 10 pages in. So, um, I'll check it out. Yeah, man. Uh, well, anyways, if someone wanted to check out more about what you do more about your texting stuff, where, where should they go? Uh, my only fans. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, go to uh, go to playing with fire uh, our youtube channel we have a lot of shitload of free content on there we have a tiktok uh where we make 60 second also value filled videos we have our instagram at real playing fire plus a lot of uh text game screenshot examples our website playingfire.com we have a lot of free tips and guides so it just comes down to do you prefer to read or do you prefer to watch videos per the videos and then go to our youtube if you prefer to read the guides then go on there uh, we have free forums, forums.playingfire.com, where you can actually have your questions answered by me for free. That's like the one, like I don't answer questions in DMs or emails, but if you make an account, you post in the forums, I will answer your question, or at least I'll do my best. So I've helped, you know, hundreds, if not thousands of people there for free. So yeah, those are probably the best resources, but start off with the YouTube, you know, check out our channel. It's probably our most popular medium right now, and it's growing fast, so. We're trying to hit 100k in the next few months dude i love it um and i will vouch uh i i do follow you guys on instagram as well um since we did our podcast last week and i've already seen like some examples i'm like i mean this is great stuff for anybody who wants to improve right. their text game go check them out thank you so much for coming on the podcast today alex and uh you know hopefully we'll do this again soon yeah man thank you for having me i really appreciate it